Hello and welcome to Not So Niche, a health and wellness podcast where we will discuss the unattainable narrative we've been given about health and start to see it as something for everyone and everybody. I'm Ari and I'm a fitness instructor, wellness advocate, and someone who has struggled with a broken view of health for a long time. Join me as I discover ways to view ourselves and our wellness as whole and beautiful. We've been sold the wellness industry as a niche market that only applies to a few. But wellness is for all of us because it applies to everyone and every body. Today, we'll be talking about the wellness industry and your personal wellness. A lot of times we see wellness being marketed to us, and while talking about and destigmatizing personal and general wellness is great, I also want to acknowledge that it's become packaged as a consumer good. This comes with all kinds of expectations about what wellness should look like. For example, many wellness brands use quote-unquote health as an indicator for success. They also use health as a term that only few can really achieve. It becomes a type of niche that only certain people can be involved in. Fitness studios even use certain types of people in their ads and they perpetuate the myth that wellness looks and feels one way. Now you might have experienced this before and seen this, and it's just not true. It almost seems like the conversation around wellness comes from the gurus, the ones who will do anything and everything to achieve their optimal quote-unquote wellness for themselves. But that doesn't actually represent the majority of people. And their version of wellness might not even be that great because maybe it's not sustainable or achievable. In this podcast, we'll be talking a lot about health that is achievable um, and is sustainable for you. Health should not be something that's so out of reach because health is with you right now. It's not a a goal that you're trying to get to. It's your every day and how you live. Health has also been boiled down to mean less than what it is. Um, often we look at certain individuals and equate that they're well because of a specific action that they're taking, such as um, they're eating a certain way or they're exercising so much. But those actions don't necessarily always give us a good indicator unless we know the full picture. For example, Um, An individual who stands out to you as the primary example of health. So think of someone in your life kind of who, or or maybe, you know, someone that you don't even know, but who seems like they have the primary and perfect health. They might be dieting or restricting, making them appear like the perfect example of health. But in reality, they're struggling with disordered eating, or perhaps it's, um, their exercising habits are something that are not actually, you know, representative of full wellness. When I talk about health not really being a niche, um, I'm advocating for people and more people to feel included in the conversation. Every individual should be learning about themselves and their body because we all have a body. And every individual should be included in a conversation about health because we all carry our own individual health and wellness. We're the ones who live in our bodies and we live in this tension always where our experiences with our bodies are radically different to one another yet very similar. We don't experience health and wellness all in the same ways, and there's not a one-size-fits-all solution for health. And health is personal and communal. 
So it's your personal health, but there's also this idea of the health of your community. And and both of those things reflect each other. So your community health reflects your health, but also your health contributes to your community health. So we need more diverse voices talking about their experiences because we need to acknowledge that there are big gaps in this industry. We need to be able to learn from one another. We also need people to trust themselves. So a lot of people have been told that they're disqualified from speaking or joining in on wellness because they don't represent what we culturally view as quote unquote healthy or they don't appear the way that we would generally assume someone with the knowledge and experience would. But often that exclusion is happening due to institutional and structural barriers. So I'm going to talk a little bit about um, this idea of fat stigma, but this applies to a lot more than just size inclusivity. Um, It also applies to racial barriers in health and a lot more than that. So Jennifer Lee and Kat Pase explore this in their paper called Stigma in Practice, Barriers to Health for Fat Women. In this paper, they explore the term healthism and how it has purposefully shaped our society to exclude some from the conversation. So they talk about how healthism, this term, is the view and idea that an individual is solely responsible for their health. It's a view that says that if you wanted to, you would. So if you wanted to get more healthy, you would work out. If you wanted to do something about it, you would. And it's completely up to you. It completely avoids the cultural um, pressures that we've put, the, the structural things that we've put in place for people to actually access that. Um, and it completely excludes the DNA and all of these things that are going into our health. And it's extremely problematic and results in eating disorders, negative body image, unhealthy ex- obsessions with exercise, negative mental state, and not seeking care for health. Most of our society actually has been formed this way, um, actually has been partaking continually in this idea of healthism, and it might be a bias that you carry that you don't even recognize. The view that, that healthism takes is simply incorrect. It is not a correct way to view health and is not a correct way to view people. Now, we need to give people grace for adopting this view because it's what we've been taught over and over. In fact, a lot of science and scientific studies actually take this view. In this paper, um, they actually, you know, talk about um some practices and some people who've had encounters with doctors and with with um, going into hospitals, with getting screening, and they actually do a bunch of studies on this as well and see that healthism is deeply permeated in our systems as well, in our, in our healthcare systems. Now, today I'm talking less about body size and more about the fact that our society is rooted in stigma around health. We have to continue to include diverse groups in all aspects of science, in all aspects of health, from science to advertising and everything in between. This problem is so big that it denies certain groups from accessing proper health care and information. Okay, now I wanted to take a moment to just define a couple terms during this podcast so that we can go um, into the rest of the episodes with an understanding of what some of these terms mean. 
So first off, diet culture is referred to a set of beliefs that values thinness, appearance, and shape above health and well-being. Additionally, the concept places importance on restricting calories, normalizes negative self-talk, and labels certain foods as good and bad. Individuals subjected to diet culture messages have been conditioned to believe that not only does thinness and dieting equate to health, but that the pursuit of health makes one person morally superior to another. That was a direct quote from UC San Diego Recreation website by their dietitians. The next one is disordered eating, and this quote comes from the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics by Marcy Anderson, who's MS, RD, and LDN. So it says, quote, disordered eating is used to describe a range of irregular eating behaviors that may or may not warrant a diagnosis of a specific eating disorder. The most significant difference between an eating disorder and a disordered eating is whether or not a person's symptoms and experiences align with the criteria defined by the American Psychiatric Association. The term disordered eating is a descriptive phrase, not a diagnosis. Thus, while many people who have disordered eating patterns may fit the criteria for EDNOS, it is also possible to have disordered eating patterns that do not fit in with the current confines of an eating disorder diagnosis. Still, eating concerns fall short. Eating concerns falling short of a diagnosis to serve attention and treatment as they may turn into more problematic eating disorders and put individuals at risk of serious health problems, end quote. So basically, disordered eating doesn't need to be um, a, a... actual diagnosis for an eating disorder, but a lot of us have disordered eating patterns but may not actually have an eating disorder. But, some, you know, if you are experiencing disordered eating, this might mean that you um, might have an eating disorder or um, a diagnosis. So diet, um, according to the Oxford Dictionary, there's a couple of definitions and some of them were kind of interesting to me. So the first one was just the kinds of food that a person, animal, or community habitually eats. And honestly, that's usually the most um, common definition that I use, especially in this podcast and, and in culture, is that a diet by itself is not necessarily a bad thing because it just constitutes how you eat. But when you make that diet strict um, and you're not eating intuitively, that's when it becomes bad. Diet is also a special course of food to which one restricts oneself either to lose weight or for medical reasons, and that is the kind of diet that we're trying to break free from. So when we say anti-diet, that is why, is because cultural, culturally, um, the word diet has shifted to mean that kind of definition or the next definition which says restricting oneself to small amounts or special kinds of food in order to lose weight, and that's the kind of diet that we're trying to avoid. Next is body image, which is the subjective picture or mental image of one's own body. So we're talking about, anytime that we talk about body image, it's basically just saying how an individual sees and experiences their body. And then fat stigma. So this is according to the World Obesity Federation, um, which we don't necessarily like to use the O word on this podcast either, but it defines weight stigma as a discriminatory 
as discriminatory acts targeted towards people due to their weight and size. It is an outcome of weight bias, which is a negative opinions and ideologies associated with weight. So I wanted to kind of wrap both of those up together. Um, weight bias or weight stigma, um, really the idea that we have biases, and we all do. It's it's okay. We need to just acknowledge them, but that we have biases due to people's weight and size. I'm so excited that there's so many amazing people and, you know, really smart and energetic people who are talking about this topic um, that are, you know, introducing the idea that health is a whole concept and that it applies to everyone and that um, it's really, yeah, it's really not a one-size-fits-all solution for everyone. So in this podcast, um, we'll be talking a little bit more about these ideas of um, how to approach your wellness, your exercise, eating, um, everything like that from a whole perspective. And it's something that I'm continually discovering as well for myself. I definitely do not have all the answers. I'm not you know, the most perfect example. But at the same time, I am continually trying and continually figuring out for myself too. So we'll be talking a lot about that. So truly our understanding of health is completely broken. It is shaped by what we think is right and wrong, what we think looks good and is appealing. It's shaped by the people who have not been included in conversations and represented well. And it's time to change this. Um, it's, it's time to look at diverse groups and ideas about health. It's time to let different types of bodies be represented well, not not only about, you know, how big or small, but how they are shaped and appear and how they act and, you know, the idea that, you know, one type of body can tell you everything about how healthy someone is. Um, that is another idea that fits into healthism that is, you know, absolutely not correct as well. So going back to Robert Crawford's article on healthism, he talks about this idea that healthism is basically ruining our culture, especially in the way of consumerism. He talks about how the concern with personal health has become a national preoccupation, and he says that, quote, ever-increasing personal effort, political attention, and consumer dollars are expended in the name of health, end quote. When we start to say that we're doing things in the name of health, people applaud us because our culture values it above all else. We also put the blame on the individual to do the same as us and adopt the do-it-yourself mentality. Healthism also points out that people are making decisions based on health with a limited view of health. So it's just this prepackaged version of quote-unquote health that says you need to do something in order to attain these specific goals instead of allowing someone to have unique experiences with their health. Crawford also talks about self-care sometimes being placed on an individual to prevent illnesses and take full control of their personal health. I mean, think about it. It's pretty hard to tell someone they aren't mentally strong enough to be healthy. I think that's pretty problematic. Crawford does give a caveat that taking some individual responsibility for health isn't bad. I mean, we, 
you know, like to have motivation and drive to get up in the morning or whatever and do your workout. But healthism in general isn't a helpful view because it promotes individualistic control over health. And like I've said before, ignores societal factors and individuals own health and creates more lasting problematic health outcomes such as disorder. Like I was saying before, in terms of having drive and motivation, those things aren't bad. But when we start to look at people as lazy because they don't partake in certain activities that we see as better, that is our view of healthism kicking in and can be very problematic. So in this podcast today, we talked about healthism and some of the definitions that we'll be talking about throughout the podcast. I hope that it gave you a good view and kind of overview of what diet culture can look like and what we hope to cover later. And I hope that it gives you some things to think about and question in your own life as well. Before you go, I also wanted to mention that while I'm learning and have experience in this area, I'm also not a medical professional. So if you heard anything that triggered you today or made you think that you might be struggling with disordered eating, mental or physical health or your diet, please ask a trusted medical professional such as a registered dietitian, doctor or therapist who specializes in anti-diet care. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope that you learned something new or started to question some of your biases or views on health. I'll have some more fun and informational podcasts up soon that will keep us questioning the narrative we've been given about health. Sometimes I ask for input on my Instagram, usually my personal, so make sure to follow along. It's at Ariana K, K-A-E, and on the podcast Instagram at notsoniche.podpod. If you liked it, please give a rating and review or send this episode to your friends. Also follow or turn your notifications on for this podcast so you get reminders when new episodes drop on whatever streaming platform you prefer. Again, I'm Ariana Kay and thank you so much for listening to Not So Niche.